The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Upon this World Communion Sunday, in Christ there is no east or west, in him no south or north, but one great fellowship of love throughout the whole wide earth. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent of your sin and are in love and charity with your neighbor and intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God, draw near in faith and take this sacrament to your comfort, to your comfort, to your comfort. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
chiefly in showing mercy and pity, grant us the fullness of your grace, that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. May we exchange with one another signs of his peace. Chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, and 25 through 32. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The parents have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord, God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Know that all lives are mine. The life of the parent as well as the life of the child is mine. It is only the person who sins that shall die. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is unfair. 
Hear now, O house of Israel, is my way unfair? Is it not your ways that are unfair? When the righteous turn away from the righteousness and commit iniquity, they shall die for it. For the iniquity that they have committed, they shall die. Again, when the wicked turn away from the wickedness they have committed and do what is lawful and right, they shall save their life. Because they considered and turned away from all the transgressions that they had committed, they shall surely live. They shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, The way of the Lord is unfair. O house of Israel, are my ways unfair? Is it not your ways that are unfair? Therefore I will judge you. O house of Israel, all of you, according to your ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, otherwise iniquity will be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed against me, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, says the Lord God. Turn then and live. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
A lesson from the Epistle to the Philippians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you to both work and will for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 25 with the Antiphon. those who wait for you you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgression. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your goodness' sake, O Lord. and the reading of the Gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 21, verses 23 through 32. Glory to you, O Lord. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it from human origin? And they argued with one another, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say of human origin, We are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, Marsh Chapel. It's a pleasure to be with you on this World Communion Sunday. It's been a very busy start to the school year around here. All of the ministry staff have been working hard to reach out to students, offer our weekly fellowship groups, and establish the kind of care and compassion that Religious Life offers to the BU campus. Annually, we have two events that take place around this time of year. One is apple picking, which took place yesterday. We shuttle about 40 students to Westward Orchards out in Harvard, Mass, for a few hours of apple picking, some shopping in the small country store, and of course, fresh apple cider donuts. I heard this year was fantastic. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it because I had a little thing called a sermon I needed to finish. The second event is something you've probably heard mentioned many times if you've been attending worship here for a while. The event is Spiritual Paint Night. We hold at least one each semester, welcoming students from across the campus for an evening of unstructured creativity. Started by my predecessor and friend, the Reverend Brittany Longsdorf, Spiritual Paint Night isn't like one of those sip and paints or painting classes that you do at a restaurant or a bar. There isn't instruction on what to paint. Instead, 
Students are given a canvas and brushes, a palette and paint. They're told to paint what they want. They're told to focus on the process of creation rather than the outcome. There's no, mine isn't good enough, no expectation that it has to replicate anybody else's work, just time to meet new people, eat some snacks, get creative, and support each other in admiring one another's efforts. The unofficial patron saint of these evenings is perhaps the most well-known American artist of the 20th century. It's estimated that he painted well over 10,000 paintings. Even though his popularity started about 40 years ago, most people in the United States, including young people who weren't born yet when he was alive, can identify him and know what he's most famous for. His iconic permed hair and denim outfits have been parodied over the years, but not without a profound sense of respect. If you guessed that this artist who has reached sainthood in our eyes is Bob Ross, then you'd be correct. We know Bob Ross for his gentle instructions on the PBS show, The Joy of Painting, which aired from 1983 until 1994. Each time he'd tell his viewers who may or may not be completing that week's painting with him, what tools and paints they would need to have their own creation at the end of each 30 minute episode. He'd then go on to instruct, reminding viewers that the canvas was their own little world in which they got to make the decisions. He would just provide suggestions and instruction on how to make the elements. Perhaps the most memorable were his happy little trees and also his statement that there are no mistakes, only happy accidents. His calm demeanor and encouraging words are why perhaps he has become an icon of ASMR, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response, a sensory and emotional reaction to certain stimuli. People find pleasure in the calming nature of each episode, sprinkled with his witty Bob Rossisms. He even has his own Twitch channel, an interactive live streaming service which plays episodes of the joy of painting continuously all day long. But did you know that before Bob Ross became America's gentle painting instructor, he was in the Air Force for 20 years. Not only that, but one of his main positions while serving in the Air Force was drill sergeant. You know, a drill sergeant, as in the super mean authority figures within the military who routinely break down new recruits, forcing them to do demeaning tasks and constantly yelling. Yes, Bob Ross was one of these. Reflecting on his time in the military, he was quoted as saying, I was the guy who makes you scrub the latrine, who makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you for being late to work. The job requires you to be a mean, tough person, and I was fed up with it. I promised myself that if I ever got away from it, it wasn't going to be that way anymore. Bob Ross had a change of mind and heart. It was the military which would introduce him to painting. The backdrop of Alaska, where he was posted, took center stage in many of the paintings he would later create on his TV show. 
The authority that the position of drill sergeant afforded him, the power that he had over others, didn't mean much to him. In fact, he knew that it wasn't what he was truly called to be or do in the world. The military was an occupation, but painting became his life. While the position of drill sergeant offered him authority in a systematic way, he actually gained an authoritative position as in someone who demonstrates authority through his painting. That's why he's so well known. That's why people flock to him and his general positive outlook. His change from ordering commands to gentle suggestions, the structured efficiency of military obedience to an opening of creativity for others doesn't mean that he lost his power of influence. He just modified it to a way that would serve others in a more practical manner. Authority is a central message in today's gospel from Matthew. This context, the context for this reading is important in understanding why Jesus' statements about authority are so jarring for the religious leaders to hear. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. The people, having heard of his healings and teachings, embrace and embracing the poor and the marginalized, are excited to welcome him. The religious leaders, however, are wary. Today's story takes place just after Jesus has overturned the money changers' tables in the temple, showing his disdain for how the religious leaders have allowed this space to become a center for politics and economics rather than a space for prayer and worship. Jesus continues his time in Jerusalem by teaching in the temple, much to the ire of the religious leaders. They question Jesus. Where does his authority to teach in the temple come from? Jesus, being Jesus, doesn't simply answer their question. He questions them back and then proceeds to tell them the parable of the two sons, a parable about words and action, a parable about doing the will of the Father and merely saying you will do the will of the Father. While the religious leaders seem to understand that doing the will of God is what should be favored over mere lip service, they do not fully understand the point that Jesus is trying to make in this story. What is confusing for the religious leaders is that they consider themselves to be authorities because of their place within society. Their authority derives from human sources, from a title and position. Because of this, they use their power to affect society. They have influence over the way that things are done. They serve their own self-interests rather than those who are suffering. While they might be good teachers of religious tenets and laws, they fail to see those teachings through with action. The religious leaders may be in positions of authority within the community, but they lack authoritative action in accordance with the will of God that would confirm that authority. They may say what is right and wrong behavior, but they are not open to any ideas that would challenge their access to maintaining the power that they possess. The religious leaders are hypocrites. They say one thing and they do another in order to maintain power. Jesus is not an authority figure that the religious leaders recognize. They don't understand why he has so much popularity among the people, they don't understand the way he goes about teaching and healing, reaching out to the poor, the sick, the marginalized. 
If he truly were the one who comes in the name of the Lord, as the people claimed when he entered Jerusalem, he wouldn't have shown up on a donkey, and he certainly would not be associating himself with prostitutes and tax collectors. The critical piece that Jesus is trying to teach the religious leaders is not that works are more important than faith. Martin Luther would be rolling over in his grave if I said that. But the will of God makes itself known through a steady process of revelation and transformation. In fact, Matthew uses the term metamelomai to change one's mind twice in this passage, emphasizing it's important in the parable Jesus uses for instruction. Actually, this term might be more accurately translated to a change of what one cares about or to change one's heart. The first son changes what he cares about and goes into the field to work. The tax collectors and the prostitutes changed what they cared about and understood John's righteousness. For God to be at work in the world, people must maintain an openness to have their minds changed in order to discern what life in the kingdom of God calls them to be. Jesus points out that the prostitutes and the tax collectors will enter into the kingdom of heaven sooner than the religious leaders because they have left their minds to be opened by John's righteousness. That openness in changing one's mind also changes how they act with others. Allowing oneself to be open to the will of God requires humility. It requires us to go beyond what we want, what we're comfortable with, to accept how God can create transformational power in our lives. In our current world, many expressions of belief have become about knowing, not seeking. What I mean by that is that belief has become more about certainty than an openness to new ideas and approaches. The same could be said about the religious authorities and heads of state in Jesus' time. They were more concerned with maintaining the status quo in which they held the power than being challenged into a way of life of mutual support and humility. We see Paul imploring the community in Philippi to be of a certain mind together, willing to give up what each of them might be entitled to in the aid of another. They are to find a cruciform way of living, connecting their patterns of thinking with their patterns of living to enable the work of God to be done in the world. What today's gospel and the other readings from today point us toward is that we do not have to be perfect in knowing. Instead, we have to be open to seeking God. We should allow God's presence in our lives to transform us instead of asserting our own way. Jesus' authority is not human authority, which focuses on the acquisition and maintenance of raw power. Rather, Jesus' authority derives out of humility, taking those who are abandoned by society and restoring them to wholeness through his healing. Jesus' authority demonstrates a way of life that is open to God's power and truth. If we fail... If we falter, if we don't get it right on the first try, God will not abandon us. We can explore our faith with the knowledge that God will be there for us, even if our attempts in understanding are flawed. As Bob Bob Ross might say, there are no mistakes. 
only happy accidents. How wonderful it is then we find ourselves located in a place of inquiry. A university campus is perhaps one of the best places for those who seek. Marsh Chapel stands as a place dedicated to the exploration of religious inquiry, not certainty. Here, we encourage you to ask questions, to be unsure, to be willing to explore. That's honestly what I love most about my job. Working with young adults provides so many opportunities for openness, a willingness to learn and grow. We aim at providing a safe place to land, as well as a safe place to ask the existential questions Who am I? What is meaningful to me? Where and to what is God calling me? Just as Bob Ross encourages his audience to accept mistakes and be open to their own way of approaching painting, we too provide a place where people can change their minds, explore further, and be creative in their relationship with the divine. Not because we say they must, but because we provide the support to allow such inquiry to occur. If we can maintain this openness, a willingness to have our minds changed, we may experience the radical transformation that comes in relationship with God. It requires us to get out of our comfort zones and accept that the way we've always done things may not always be the only or best way to do them. Authority doesn't necessarily mean anything if it isn't connected to action. In fact, authority is best exhibited through action rather than external imposition of that status. As they say, actions speak louder than words. Let us be active seekers of divine transformation. Amen.
Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord.
goodness and growth, all creation is yours and your faithfulness is sure. Word and water, wine and bread, these are signs of your abundant grace. Receive the gifts we bring and nourish us to proclaim your abiding love in our communities and in the world. Through Jesus Christ, our strength and our song. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts, you lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is indeed our duty and our joy that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending majestic is your name in all the earth. Over the eons, your merciful might evolved our home, a fragile tree of life. Here by your wisdom are both life and death, growth and decay, the nest and the hunt, sunshine and storm, darkness and light. Sustained by these wonders, we creatures of dust join in the ancient song, the earth is full of your glory. The earth is full of your glory. O God, triune, you took on our flesh in Jesus, our healer. In Christ, you bring life from death. We remember his cross. We laud his resurrection. Broken like bread, he enlivens our body. Outpoured like wine, he fills the earth with, with goodness. Receiving this mystery, we mortals sing our song. The earth is full of your glory. The earth is full of your glory. We praise you for the heart of Jesus, so filled with your love for this earth. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered around this table, we, your children, unite in this song. The earth is full of your glory. The earth is full of your glory. 
O God triune, you create the world, you uphold the living, you embrace the dead. Send forth your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Strengthen us for our journey with this meal, the body and blood of Christ. Give us a future that trusts in you and cares for your earth. Empowered by your promises, we rise from our death to praise you again. The earth is full of your glory. The earth is full of your glory. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, a quick note about communion today. We will be serving communion by intinction, which means dipping the wafer into the wine. We will not be offering common cups, so please do not try to drink from the chalice. You may take wafer only if you so choose. Um, Grape juice will be served on the lectern side, and wine will be served on the pulpit side. Please feel free to go to whichever side you prefer. Taste and see that the Lord is good.
Let us pray. We thank you, O God, that you have strengthened our hearts through this feast of life and salvation. Shine the light of Christ on our path, that we may do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you, now and forever. Amen.
now, dear friends, may God bless and keep us. May God's face shine on us and be gracious to us. May God look on us with favor and give us peace.